welcome to another powerful and amazing night of 30 Days of Hope. This has been such an incredible adventure and experience and just this time of embracing change. And I love the fact that we are focusing on that topic tonight. Because I feel like, especially right now, we feel like our lives have stopped. We feel like our lives have paused. But what do we do from here? Is there life after COVID pandemic? And so for a lot of us, we feel like there is no light at the end of the tunnel. But I am with an amazing guest, an amazing friend of mine, and she's going to talk about what it's like for her as a student and also that idea of embracing change and kind of stepping out in new adventures, even when things are unstable, even when things are a little chaotic. So welcome to the show, Megan Ackerman. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be able to do this. No, this is great. So glad you can be on. Now, you're, uh, you, you've been doing tons of change right now, so you're a seminarian, and how many more years of school do you have to go? What is it, one, two? I have another year left. I'm finishing up my second year. It's a three-year program. Yes, yeah, okay. so super exciting. What, and, and what compelled you to kind of start this road of seminary? Because, I mean, oh. you and I have both kind of walked this road. It is not, you don't see many, too many people that look like us, <laughs> so. Right. I've, I've become the anomaly. I realized um, it it was truly a a divine intervention by God. I mean, Mm. I was going to school, had my teaching degree, and was set on becoming a classroom teacher. Okay. And it was a year of God poking me and prodding me. And then I just realized that my, my place was not in a classroom anymore and that my classroom looked a little bit different. Yeah. And so I said yes. And it was the best yes I could have ever done. And two years in and another year to go. And I have my Master's of Divinity degree. Congratulations. Oh, that's exciting. And I'm sure it's almost like, it's like, oh, it's gone. It's done. But I'm sure you love the whole experience of it. What was, what was the most impactful class that you ever took? What did you really like sink into? So I would say the spiritual formation type classes. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how much I'm a heart type of person. Um, And it was like my first semester, one of the first classes that I had, we were able to explore the different spiritual practices and and things that were out there. And I had never really dabbled with any of that or anything of that nature. Um, But once I did, it kind of like lit a fire in my soul. And I was like, this is so cool. So I just love being able to engage with my heart just a little bit. It's, it's very, yeah. very special to me. Oh, I love it. We had, I, I like you, I had never, you know, kind of growing up into more like, you know, worship is praise and it's preaching. And there wasn't that monastic element when it came to my spirituality. So kind of looking at spiritual formation and like reading books like Dallas Willard um, and all those different elements, I'm like, oh, I can actually incorporate this into my spiritual life. And it really became part of it. Uh, and I really enjoyed the aspect of it. So it was really, really exciting. What, what, what's like your, your favorite part of spiritual formation? What's, what's the practice that you really enjoy doing? I have been more recently drawn to labyrinth. Really? Walking okay. a labyrinth and, and even journaling a labyrinth and coloring a labyrinth and yeah. finger walking. Um, it's just become something I like to do. I like to journal. So just journaling in the circle and yeah. it's special. Nice. Especially when it feels like everything is upside down. And I think right now, you know, there is a strong devastation right now. I mean, people have lost their jobs there. I mean, I I think it was 27 or or even higher right now for the amount of people that are, that are looking for unemployment. 
Um, and it's a lot. And every day the numbers increases and every day I feel like our world just gets a little bit more chaotic. Um, but you're stepping into this newness. And so just describe a little bit about, you know, you, you started as a teacher, decided to go to seminary, and now you've actually been appointed within the Methodist Church your first position. So what is it like to look forward to that, especially in the time of uncertainty? Yeah, so this all happened very, very quickly, uh, this appointment, less than two weeks, actually. Yeah. And it was, it's, it's slightly terrifying because you don't really know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know whether I'm going to be stepping online like this or in a pulpit. Yeah. But also, God has prepared me for this moment. Mm -hmm. And it, it wasn't by my own leading that this came about. Um, it was nudging and listening to the nudging. And I think that there's so much potential. There's so much potential for growth and and an exponential amount of growth. Yeah. That it, it's just, I, I've come to embrace it and, and I know there's going to be good that comes out of it. Mm -hmm. And that was something I said early on from, from the start of this. There has to be something good that comes out of it. And for me, maybe this is my good. This is the start of the good. So yeah. yeah. And I think their perspective is really going to bless people that God has placed under your care. Because to me, it's almost like if you can, you know, yes, this time is devastating, but if you have that lens of what, what is good from this, you know, how can I actually lead these people to see through the lens of goodness, to see through, through something other than what they're dealing with. Um, and I think that's really going to bless people because they need that balance of, of hope, especially right now when they feel so hopeless. What, what are some things that you have a dream, especially kind of stepping into this new church? What would you personally like to see for the church, especially right now and in the next five years? I feel like that is such a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't I, prepare I, you at all. <laughs> I, I find my mind kind of taking hold and, and getting ahead of myself. Yeah. Um, but I, I, my personal passion is like children and youth in the church. Mm -hmm. And I think that this church is missing that demographic. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I would love to be able to bring to, to every church being a 20 something going into ministry. They, they all look at me and go, we want young people in our church. So if I can just help to bridge that gap, I think that it would be one of my biggest passions and it would be the answer to that everybody's looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, but also it is, it is my hope to, to be able to do that. Yeah. And I think that's such a powerful statement that you talked about, because I think a lot of the times when we look at the church, we think of it as, as one of two things. We either want to keep the old or we want to replace it with the new. And what would it look like if we truly created this interdependency and this collaboration between different generations? So you're introducing young people to the church and kind of having that back and forth between modern and traditional. So like, whoa, like that church would be beautiful, be incredible. That'd be great. What, what, is, what has it been like? Because I know you're in Pennsylvania. Um, what has coronavirus been like there? Because you are very close to the epicenters of New York and all that area. So I think for everybody, you know, whether you're in Missouri or um, in California or Oregon right now, it's different. Even though we're all going this through it together, it's very different statewide. So what, what's the experience been like for you in Pennsylvania? 100%. Um, so in my community, yeah. I think they were almost in denial of mm -hmm. what was going on and the reality of it. Yeah. Um, and our governor has been really good and, and forthcoming with information and um, making sure that we're protecting ourselves. Um, 
And so specifically where I'm from, we have a lot of people that travel to New York and New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Um, We're kind of like the hub for those that work in those um, cities and things like that. And so I don't believe we're at our peak yet. I think that there's some to come Mm -hmm. um, just because of the the progression of it. But I think that our governor has done a, a really good job and we, we have been put on a stay-at-home order until May 8th. Um, it was just recently extended. And even then, when May 8th comes, we're going to be uh, opening things up in, in different levels and mm-hmm. taking steps and, and leading with research is really what Governor Wolf's uh, initiative was. Yeah, good. And I think in a sense, it's almost like the idea, we're not going to really get back to normal. There's no such thing as normal in the world. It's a new normal. And so what does it look like to, you know, yes, have that time of sheltering in place, kind of obeying the laws of the land per se, uh, but figuring out during this time of, okay, what is the next step that I want to take to enter into this new normal? Um, And it should be interesting to see. I mean, I know like all of our prayers are with everybody right now. Uh, We're all sort of waiting with bated breath to see, (laughs) to see how all this unfolds and we're waiting, we're hoping, we're praying. Um, what, what are some things that you would, what advice would you give to a person right now, whether they're in their eighties or maybe just graduated from the bachelor's degree and they're saying, I really want to start seminary. What, what tips would you give them? Do it. Just do it. Um, one of the the most frightening parts is taking that first step. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it becomes a community that you never knew you needed in undergrad and it's become for me a different experience and so taking that first step filling out the application and having conversations that's the most important part and to um listen to your questions i had probably a million and a half questions and i feel so bad for the director of enrollment at that time but truly it it became a a bouncing ground and me being able to ask all the questions that i had yeah. And that's what I loved about it. It was almost, it was a place that you could ask questions and it was welcomed and embraced. And I think that's a beautiful part too, especially within a faith community is there's not too many places that questions are allowed or invited. And so when you step into that area, it's just, it's like a kid in a candy shop, especially if you're like a natural, <laughs> a natural Socratic questionnaire. Um, so it works really well. And, and it brings you down roads that you would never think of. So some of your theology might start to shift, some of your opinions, because you're being exposed to so many different perspectives all at once. And it's this joy of, of just being this holistic, grounded individual, but seeing faith from all different perspectives. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And I think the beauty is that it it's not just your denomination or your faith background. It's it's from all over. And like one of my very best friends is um Muslim. So, oh, yeah. so learning from him and being able to experience classes um that are some are Christian based but but hearing it from his perspective and being able to have conversations has been such a joy and and in a regular classroom, you don't really get that opportunity, yeah. but in seminary, it opens those doors. Exactly. And conversation, I think, is just like that beautiful root of it. Like, what would it look like if we as faith communities or non-faith communities just had conversation, like just engage in conversation? It's such a different perspective than conversion. And I think a lot of the times we can get lost in the idea that every single person has to look alike and act alike and think alike. And that beauty of conversation really equaling community. So 
it, it will be exciting to see what happens when it comes to the faith and the non-faith throughout this time and what conversations lead and what the community will look like afterwards. So before we end, and this has been a great conversation, um, and I ask this to every single guest that comes on, how are you personally finding hope right now? I would say that despite the routine, despite the hours that I spend on the computer, being able to get out in nature and just be, be grounded, uh, walk my dog and, and to sit by the, the creek and that's my very Pennsylvania coming out the creek <laughs> and, and just being able to, to be, it gives me hope that again, the, the good will come out of this mm -hmm. and not to focus on the amount of energy I have to put elsewhere, but focus on the promise of the future. Mm -hmm. And God promises me and everybody a really good future. That's great. That's really good. Yes, exactly. It's almost like um, Jeremiah 29 11, where it's like that idea of that promise of the future. And um, it is, it is. And I think that's a beautiful sentiment to leave us with, where it's almost like that idea of there is a promise, there is that future, there's that hope at the end of the tunnel, per se. So Megan, thank you so much for joining us. And we're going to have all the links to you so that people can connect. So your Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you use, uh, maybe your TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> and so people can truly connect and ask questions, uh, but also continue to find inspiration from what you're doing. So thank you so much for joining us for 30 Days of Hope. And this is your host, Dr. Colleen Baffleter. And I invite you to tune in tomorrow night for another inspiring, encouraging, and empowering episode of 30 Days of Hope. <laughs>